The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice. And I'm Reverend Dan Beckett. And together, we discuss the ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. If you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments and questions. You can call us right now or anytime during the show at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. We'd love to hear from you. And Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner, and just as with phone calls, your anonymity is always respected. So recovery can be challenging, as anybody that's been there can know. Yet we have this ability to persevere, no matter what life gives us. So today, we want to talk about tools and spiritual principles that keep our feet on that path to recovery. And we'll begin by sharing our experiences of of life's unmanageability as it was before we got on our recovery paths. And then we'll move into the solution of living by spiritual principle. After the break, we'll share exactly how we use spiritual principles to live the life we really want to live. So Lonnie, when you think back about that, uh, you know, that word unmanageable, unmanageability comes up early in the program. What do you recall from that time? Well, you know, I thought my life was perfectly under control because I didn't identify with the things that people talked about, car wrecks and, you know, stuff like that. That was not my experience. And so I thought unmanageability, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. And so I had this concept that when I got into the program, if all I, if I could just stay sober, everything would be fine because life would straighten out. I don't know how I thought that was going to happen. But when I think back about unmanageability, that's really when I started feeling the unmanageability. You know, I started having uh, noticing the the um, racing mind and the crazy thoughts and the the disconnected logic and things of that nature. Um, and it, and my emotions followed all of that. And so, you know, I think the very first thing that I that I really recognized was that it was not about the external events. I had an experience sometime into um, recovery that, for me, it helped kind of shine some light on what my experience had been like in life. You know, it's 
it's I, I think part of what I'm hearing you say is that when we come in and um, hear about unmanageability, I know my life didn't my life wasn't unmanageable. It was fine. I just had this problem that I need to deal with, you know, called uh, called I drink way too much. Uh, and and as sort of as the light slowly goes went on for me, you know, as as things became clearer and clearer, the longer I was on my path, it was almost only then could I look back and see how unmanageable things actually had been. It was it was kind of well hidden from me. But I was at a meeting. Um, it was in a, a different town that I lived in. I was on vacation, just dropped into a meeting, and a man came in and and shared about how. Um, uh, I think his daughter had recently passed away and, and he had lost a job and he, he didn't look like a person to whom these things were happening. I mean, he sounded like he was talking about what's on TV, you know, just had a very easy manner about him. And, and I wasn't the only one that was kind of amazed by how, how, how can this guy be saying these things, these terrible things that are going on in his life? And he just summed it up by saying, you know, life, it just keeps, it does what it does. It keeps lifing on me. Life keeps lifing on me. That's what it does. And when I heard him say that, I, you know, I, I had that vision of, you know, how it is sometimes it'd be like, whoa, whatever that guy has, I want some of that. You know, I want that level of peace and serenity. But his way of sort of characterizing the craziness of the world that showed up in me as a life that was unmanageable because I didn't have the skills that the the man I saw had, um, it just helped me put that in perspective. That That is not how I viewed life. You know, unmanageable life with just there's too much going on and, and I can't keep up. You know, I think your word perspective is a good one. When I I didn't have any when I when I got to the program, and I was thinking as you were sharing about his experience that I had many um, what were for me challenging experiences when I came in. You know, within a year and a half, I was diagnosed with cancer, and my my experience was that of a, an emotional roller coaster. I didn't even really have to have anything that big going on, but I was a basket case. You know, I, I, one minute I'm fine, the next minute I'm not next minute I'm fine, you know, and it was these um, uh, vast emotional uh, roller coaster type ups and downs and ups and downs. My emotions were unmanageable. And that went on for a while because of all of these external things that I thought were triggering it, but I did not get it that it was my response to these external things that that kept me on that roller coaster. And so, you know, it was um, when it was pointed out that drinking is but a symptom. Well, my emotions were but a symptom as well, you know. And so first I tried to control my drinking. Now I'm trying to control my emotions because if I can do that, maybe I'll be okay. That was my unmanageable thinking. Yeah, but that's what drinking's for. That was my solution. <laughs> that was the point of drinking was to be able to manage the other parts. Um, I, I've said this before, and, uh, and I'll probably never uh, forget this, that my experience, if I had to characterize it, of unmanageability stemmed from, um, and this was, this was a lifelong experience, that the world simply moved too fast for me. I didn't know how people could keep up with everything. It was almost literally like the earth is turning too fast. Can we slow it down a little bit? And then maybe I could be okay. You know, I, I remember uh, distinctly feeling like, you know, what I need is an eighth day of the week 
where nobody talks to me and nothing happens at all so that I can have some chance of catching up with what's gone on the last seven days. Of course, there is no eighth day in the week. I, I never had that. But the reason that I wanted it is because it just, I was overwhelmed by life, period. I didn't know that for the longest time. But it started to show up in things like, uh, you know, a, a realization that things are happening too fast. I can't keep up with this. I need some help or some support. Of course, you can imagine the support that I chose, uh, you know, liquid support. And uh, as we say, it, it works till it doesn't. Um, but that's at least a big part of my experience of unmanageabilities. Things are moving too fast and I can't keep up. And then that got worse and worse. And part of my unmanageability was over-controlling. You know, uh, rather than having an eighth day of the week, I just wanted another spreadsheet. Give me another list. Give me If I can just get organized, you know, and in, in later years, I recognized that, you know what, I had, I don't know, five, six, seven black briefcases. If I just have the right briefcase, if I just have the right organizer, if I just get the right calendar, then my life will be manageable. You know, that was my my thought pattern at that point in time. And then I wouldn't miss these deadlines. Then I wouldn't have, you know, the IRS on my back because I hadn't paid my taxes. Then I wouldn't have, you know, the bill collectors calling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I can see the disconnect now. At the time, it seemed like a perfectly reasonable thing to do. I just need to get organized. Yes, we might need like Office Supplies Anonymous for, for that kind of thing. <laughs> I know that feeling. It's like if I if I could just have the right tools and, and what, what about this planner? And oh, wait, here's a great way to keep track of things. And I know what you mean with the bags, too. Um, I, I Thinking back, uh, and, I, and I might be getting a little ahead of us, but, you know, with with that, my experience of the world and we say when we come in the program that our life had become unmanageable, but I'm, I'm, it became unmanageable because of the ways I tried to deal with the unmanageability that I was already perceiving in it. Uh, and one is that, of course, drinking helped for a long time, right? Drinking was my solution to a life that seemed like it was moving too fast, that, that I couldn't keep up. Um, and, it, and it worked, Right. Again, we, we say it works till it doesn't. It worked really, really well, you know, seemingly for a long time. Now, in hindsight, I could probably point at a, a period of time when, when it wasn't working so well, but I didn't know yet. You know, maybe the last, oh, I don't know, three, four, five years ish, certainly the last three years of my drinking, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm not saying that I lost those years, but I feel like I was, you know, definitely dulled or something like they're, they're mushy. There's just not a, not a good period of time. And so that's when unmanageability started to show up in ways directly related to my prior solution to unmanageability, which was alcohol. And uh, it just sort of spiraled down from there. Another way that the unmanageability showed up for me was in broken relationships. <clears throat> you know, at that point in time, I was a country music fan. And country music lyrics do not provide a good <laughs> model nor a good solution for relationship troubles. No. And, you know, but that was one of my points of reference. And having not seen... Um, those kinds of uh, relationships modeled, effective relationships modeled 
in my family, what was modeled for me was more of the stuff it and deal with it kind of a relationship. Um, you know, and so I didn't know how to have a relationship. And so my relationships were unmanageable. You know, what do you do when you're mad? You either blow up at them or you pout. You know, I mean, there was no in between. There were no negotiation skills. There was there was none of this. And there was all these triangles and the, the discussion among so and so said that so and so said that you were mad, you know, and, and things <laughs> like that that go on. I mean, it was when I look back on it, I can see how it contributed to the unmanageable emotions that I had and, and my thinking patterns. It was, it was a mess. That, that's a good description for it. It was a mess. I could have wore a t-shirt uh, with that on it for a long, long time. And again, for me, it, it comes down to that. Uh, my experience, I've never, I really had no real peace in my life. No, no sense. I mean, there were fleeting moments of peace, usually alcohol related somehow or other, but all in all, um, life was unmanageable because I didn't have the skills, which I didn't know at the time. And we'll talk about, you know, what, what the solution is. We'll move into that in a little bit here, but I didn't have a solution. And so I had no sense of, uh, okayness or peace in my life that, you know, that wasn't related to, um, to drinking somehow. And it always felt like there was too much to deal with it. And my, my entire goal in life, uh, for a long time was to, um, make it so there was nothing on my calendar, you know, ever. Um, and, uh, that's not really a realistic way to live, but that was kind of a response, I think, to that feeling of being constantly overwhelmed by everything that's going on. It's like, if I could just somehow, you know, finagle things so that people would just leave me alone and then I could be okay. And I wouldn't have to deal with all this stuff all the time. Now, you know, that's a fantasy because say, you know, it's like, well, if I could just win the lottery, well, I'd win the lottery and I, and I'd move to a place and I'd have a big house and guess what? Things would break in the house and I would have to get them fixed. Yes. And so, you know, we know that there's all these different challenges in of this unmanageable life. And so what's the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principle and that underneath every aspect of life lies one or more fundamental spiritual truths that drive it. This understanding of reality is in many ways the core of unity thought. We envision a God that is the same for everyone, everywhere, every time, expressing love as reliable as the Earth's gravity or the fact that one plus one equals two, always true, always and forever. And so collectively, we refer to this way of seeing and being as living by spiritual principles, and that's what we want to focus on today. But it can be confusing to see how this applies to real day-to-day -day life. What is a spiritual principle? How do I know one when I see one? And what does that have to do with the way that I live? Dan, what's your experience with those questions? Well, I, I see our uh, unity way of being as um, providing the tools that I, if I use them, I can discover within myself and for myself exactly what that might look like. And, and that even is what I teach on Sundays, not so, you know, do a little bit of, 
of how it is, but a whole lot of, and here's how you can find out what that means to you, or here's how you can um, address uh, something in your own life that you aren't feeling good about. And the bottom line is I learned how to do what we call turn within, right? I turn within to find an anchor point. So I shared before about feeling like the world was moving too fast, you know, like the ground underneath me was never stable. Uh, I learned through unity to uh, turn to the what we'd call that presence of the spirit within uh, in order to find some kind of sureness, some kind of immutable truth, some anchoring point. And so a spiritual principle to me uh, kind of fits that definition that we shared. It's it's the same everywhere for everyone, every time, and I can rely on it completely. And how do I discover what that is or what that means? I follow the the practices I was taught. I learned to turn within uh, in in you know in a, in a time of of meditation or contemplation in order to just sort of. Um, sense this anchor point. So for me, that's what it all ties back to. Any spiritual principle that we might name or talk to, I, I can tie it back to that presence, what I call the presence of the spirit within, the presence of the divine within. For me, um, my experience was one of um, wandering, not having that anchor point, because I was trying to assimilate other people's ideas of this higher power, as opposed to finding my own. You know, that was, I mean, the first thing one of my temporary sponsors said to me was, well, you can see I believe, don't you? I said, yeah. She said, well, why don't you borrow my God? And so that set me off on a path of borrowing other people's concepts of a higher power rather than finding my own. And I was lost on that path for quite a long while. That's just part of my story. But when I found in the literature that it said that it says, it quote, quite, quite as surprising was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems, unquote. I went, oh, and those questions came to mind. What is a spiritual principle? What, how do I use it? What, how do I know if I see it? Where do, where do I go to find it? You know, all of those kinds of things. And that set me off on a journey of looking for these things. And so um, at first I was told, well, the spiritual principle of step one is honesty. Okay, if I'm supposed to be following the steps, let's just try that, you know, and, and I'll talk more about that later. But what uh, the, the definition of a spiritual principle, what is a spiritual principle to me it's a meaningful set of values and, and ethical principles. It's the rules that I choose to live by that are more or less universal truths, you know, that are connected to the same truth that you were talking about, the spirit within. Only I didn't have any, any connection to that spirit yet at that point in time. And so other people told me, this is the way, you know, be honest, try being honest. Okay, well, that's the first step. That's the first piece of that for me. And so when I learned to apply a particular principle idea that is more or less universal, that is meaningful to me, that has value to me, when I apply that idea to this situation, how does it turn out? Guess what? My life started to improve. Yes, that's a great description or maybe even definition of what we might call living by spiritual principle. What does that mean? What does it mean to live by spiritual principle? Um, one thing that always comes to mind for me when I ask that question is, you know, I, okay, so a minute ago I shared about sort of the personal internal aspects of all this, and that is to me the anchor point, and that's where everything uh, begins. But it, it 
for me, it needs to go out from there. It can't just be that. I mean, that that sort of living inside my own self was part of my problem, right, with um, addiction. And so while it's true that the presence of the Spirit in me supports all that I do, I can't stop with just looking within. And so what living by spiritual principle also means to me is it means living in community with others who choose this same way of seeing, you know, what, what we're describing. And so uh, I need to do my own inner work and I need to be part of a group somehow or other, you know, it could be lots of different things. Um, certainly it's, it's convenient in recovery that we have recovery groups. I mean, if, if nothing else, a recovery group, a healthy one at least, is a spiritual community that I can become a part of and, and see what, what does it mean to live with others and to interact with others who are doing this too. You know, I really like that because, you know, a spiritual community to me is one with whom I can align my values, you know, that I am aligned. I choose to become aligned with the values held, upheld and practiced by that community. And, you know, if I look out at the world at large, you know, part of my journey was in the in the uh, commercial world and the value held there was make more money fast, yes. you know, and and that did not work for me. You know, not because I wasn't making money, I was making plenty of money, but the methods by which that happened, the people that got walked on by which that happened, those rubbed me absolutely the wrong way. And I concluded that that was not the place for me, when today I can see what it was, was a mismatch of values. And so part of this this uh, journey for me is to find the the community that lives by the same values that I value, you know, by the same principles that I value, that we have this shared commonality. Everybody is trying to, to become clean and sober. Everybody's trying to become honest. Everybody's trying to, to practice faith. You know, everybody's trying to practice perseverance. Those are all single word principles that when I go, yeah, that supports me. I want to be a part of that. There's a, a sentence in the big book that I love, and, and I looked it up to get the words right. It's on page 85. And in describing our, uh, I suppose, sobriety, it says what we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. And so when I think about what does it mean to live by spiritual principle, that's another, those are other words I think that are pointing at the same thing. Maintaining my spiritual condition is, that's one way that it looks. If I'm living by spiritual principles, then I am maintaining my spiritual condition. And as, and what I am told that that will do is allow me day to day, you know, it's we're we're always have this moment right now. Um, doesn't really matter how long it's been that I've been on a recovery path. Today is the only day that matters in my recovery. And so I have a daily reprieve uh, that's contingent on um, doing this thing we call living by spiritual principle. That really underscored for me how important it was as I you know, explored and stayed open to, well, what, what does that even mean? You know, well, it means turning within to experience that presence of God, I call it. And it, oh, and it also means turning without to connect with other people who are choosing um, to live this way. Uh, I just had to share that uh, sentence. It means so much to me, and it's such a powerful reminder of, um, not not ex it's not telling us how to live by spiritual principles telling us why 
I suppose. And and uh, every time I think about the the whole concept of conducting my life based on spiritual principles, the the power of that sentence comes to mind. I had to share it. And I think that for me that the um, the critical component is the how. How do I do this? You know, and so, and that was one that was helpful for me was H-O-W. Those were each, am I honest? Am I open-minded? Am I willing? Those are each single word principles that I value. I value the honesty of somebody that's really trying, the open-mindedness of somebody willing to change their mind, the, you know, um, the willingness to do something different, to take a different action. And so, you know, learning little tools like that to go, okay, can I do that? Am I, am I really honest about this? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I doing? And does it all line up? You know, um, that, they gave me the tools to evaluate my spiritual condition. Also, when I think about what what is this thing we call living by spiritual principle, wh- one thing it is for me is it, it means that uh, it means recognizing and looking first uh, to the spiritual for the solution of any challenge that I might encounter. So if if I'm having a hard time because I'm, you know, maybe I'm worried about money or or maybe there's something going on at work that's just sort of got under my skin or whatever it is, um, rather than address those things uh, directly in the way that they show up, you know, sort of the superficial manner, I have learned to address them first and foremost in the spiritual realm, so to speak. And what, what that means is just uh, following those practices that we, that I, that I mentioned before, you know, turning within and saying, well, you know, what is really going on here? Instead of trying to fix this, why don't I just take a moment and sit with it so that I can really get a sense of what it is? Because sometimes there's just something I'm trying to avoid right? If I feel uncomfortable, I might be willing to do all kinds of things out in the world and, you know, spin my wheels and, and, and lots of, um, lots of sizzle and smoke rather than simply experience whatever it is that's troubling me. So that when I say, you know, look first to the spiritual, that's what I mean. Turn within, take a breath, realize I am in the presence of the divine. Everything's okay. What is going on? I think that's a critical question for me. What is going on? You know, because I, when I was told by my sponsor and others to pray, that's not the question. That's not what I got. That's not what I understood that I was supposed to be doing was asking myself, what is going on and, and waiting for guidance. You know, it was, it was like, go ask for help. And that did not serve me in the same way that this does, you know, and, and you said something earlier too, that reminded me that it was, um, Emily Katie in, uh, in unity that said, uh, use the truth, you know, you know, practice these principles. And if you only know one, practice that one. That's a paraphrase, of course. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I think that they, they dovetail in that it's important that we recognize what it is we need to do and do that one thing. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you for mentioning Emily Cady, one of my favorites. So hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from you as we continue the conversation. Phone number to dial 816-251-3555. Please stay with us. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. 
the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and I'm here with Reverend Dan Beckett. We'll resume our discussion in a moment, but first we want to let you know that the phone lines are open. So if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, that number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing unmanageability of life which uh, all of us in recovery, I think, will have experienced that. And uh, what is this thing we call spiritual principle? The solution is to live by spiritual principle. What is a spiritual principle, and what does it mean to live by them? So, Lonnie, now that we know about this challenge of a life that's unmanageable and that the solution is living by these spiritual principles, how exactly can we use spiritual principles to live the life we really want to live? Well, you know, I think we always start this section the same way, which is that I have to be aware that I'm not to start with. You know, I have to I have to have some awareness of where I am out of integrity, where I am not living by spiritual principle. Uh, what part of my unmanageability is being caused or created by that? And and the most um, I won't say reliable indicator, but one of the indicators for me has been this this discomfort in my gut, you know, or this this fear or uh, what I would call an un, unreasonable reaction to something that's out of proportion to what triggered it. That tells me something is amiss here. What's out of alignment? I better start looking. And that's when I can start using what I call the tools, you know, which are, are is an inquiry, really. What's going on? You know, we talked a bit before the, the break about uh, turning within and, and asking what's up with me, you know. Um, and then I use each of these uh, principles that we talk about that underlie the 12 steps. I start with the first one. I'm pretty linear. I figured if it was good enough to start the program with, I'll just start with that one. It's honest. Is Where am I being honest or not being honest here? You know, it may not be cash register honesty we're talking about right now. It may be emotional honesty. Where am I pretending I'm okay when I'm not? When am I saying that things are one way, but they're really some other way? When am I saying yes when I mean no? When am I agreeing with somebody because of my people-pleasing when I don't absolutely hold that same value? That's the kind of stuff I had to start looking for. Yeah, the deeper stuff. Uh, when I think about, so how spiritual principles help me to uh, live the right life I really want to live, and I do feel like I am living the life I really want to live. It's not as if I am without challenges. Um, that I think that's part of it. it it's... Um, you know, again, what my my old desire for the world to stop spinning so fast, I don't need the world to stop doing whatever it's doing anymore because i I now have other ways of being in the world that make it so that I can be okay, regardless of what the world is doing. So it's not as if uh, being without challenges is is the goal. It's not the goal. The life I really want to live, um I see it in place around me, and it takes kind of a you know takes constant. I don't want to say vigilance because it's not that dire, but, you know, it takes attention just like a garden or anything like, okay, what's going on? What, what might need to happen next? Am I still on track with this? Do you know, my, am, am I keeping up with my practices and all that? But one way that living from spiritual principles helps me to live the life I really want to is that 
by making uh, the spiritual way of living foremost, it lets everything I do begin from a place of peace. So instead of, oh man, I got this problem to solve now, I'm stressed and what's going to happen? I have a choice when that comes up. And I still do feel that way from time to time. If I feel that way, I can say, wait a second, I'm, I'm choosing to live my life from spiritual principle, which is rooted in the, in the peace of the presence of the spirit within me. Let me begin from there and then see what's going on. So the challenge is still the challenge, but I don't feel uh, harried by it. I don't flail you know, I, I can take a breath and say, okay, let, let, let me step back a moment and sort of really take this in, see what's going on. And then, you know, I can discern what's the next right thing to do, uh, whatever that might be. My, my process is very similar, uh, except that I think I have an elongated time frame. I don't know within a few minutes necessarily of what's the next right thing to do. I have noticed that for me, I have this process that takes probably 24 to 36 hours, but what's critical in it is taking that pause and remembering that I don't have the answer right this moment. Do I need the answer right this moment? Rarely. You know, that sense of urgency, it's, it's uh, I don't remember who said it, that urgent is often not important. You know, I, I have to be able to distinguish between those two things. And what is important is that I follow these principles that I have learned how to live by and that I take the time, that I take take some space, white space, that I honor my process, that I allow whatever needs to come up for me to come up and that I then, um, you know, check in about it before I take any action, you know, otherwise I'm shooting from the hip and I usually shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> I do that too. And I'm glad you said that because it does take time and it, and it takes time for me as well. Um, I, I probably compressed it into some uh, fairly quick statements, but yeah, in the, in the, in the world of time in the unfolding of time as it is on earth, it can take minutes, hours, days, even uh, for some of these things to settle or, or for me to regain a sense of balance. If I feel like I'm uh, thrown out of balance, it can, it can take time. So again, how, how, how's living by spiritual principles help me live the life I want to live? Uh, one thing, and this is core for me, this is central. It tells me that, that at any moment, there's always more going on than just the circumstances that I'm aware of. So if, I, if I'm feeling a conflict, there's more going on than just whatever it is I'm looking at and calling a conflict. There's more to this. And so it helps me to relax just to know, oh, you know, yes, I am seeing a problem. Yes, I am feeling anxious about this or about that. But you know what? I know there's more going on here than just that. So let me use the tools that I have to sort of, you know, kick out the walls, so to speak, to, to break down this box that I've put myself in by thinking, you know, it's only this and, and this, is, this is the problem and I have to solve the problem and this problem's right in front of me and blah, blah, blah about the problem. Um, there's more going on than that. And so I can... If I'm acting skillfully in that manner, and this can take time, um, I have the ability at least, I have the choice, I can relax somewhat knowing that, you know, there's more to it than this. And when I have a fuller picture, um, then I'll probably realize that this too will be okay 
and I, and that and then truly that I that I can be fine, that I can feel okay in the world, even in the face of a challenge. You know, and you mentioned choice, you know, which I think is so critical. We, when we enter the program, we have lost the power of choice. You know, when it's over our over drink and what have you, and we don't have much power over the way our thoughts are running wild and that kind of thing. And and slowly over time, we learn to regain our power, and and that power of choice. And we get to make what I would call intentional conscious choices. I'm going to pause now instead of react. I'm not going to try to fix this situation. It's not mine to do, you know. And and this conscious intentional choice capability is one of the ways that by practicing spiritual principles, I get to live the life I want to live because I don't get blindsided and drug into stuff that other people want me to do without being aware that I need to say no or I need to say yes to this thing, whatever it may be. You know, and so I was speaking a minute ago about evaluating a, a situation that, you know, and you talked about the discomfort of sitting with a situation until it, until it, um, uh, is discernible what's the next step is for me then the next step after that is well what is my conscious intentional choice I'm not making this out of habit I'm not making it out of history I'm not making it out of uh, adrenaline you know what what do I choose to to make a choice about with this and that's a very powerful tool for me absolutely I've, I've even heard addiction defined as the lack of choice and recovery therefore is regaining the power of choice. And so absolutely everything you said. Um, one thing, and this related to what I was just sharing about, there's more going on. One thing that has really helped me, um, or an expression of that, I suppose that has really helped me, um, is reflected in, at least in my reading in the gospels. And so, you know, I'm a big Bible nerd, uh, and I, and I love the scripture and just sort of diving into it and sitting with it and all of those things. Um, but when I read the gospels, the, my one big takeaway for me from that whole narrative, and we all know the story is that no matter what's going on, it's not over yet. No matter how dire things look, there's more to this. Just wait and see. It, it, it's not over. I don't care how bad things look. It ain't over. Trust me. It, and in my way of languaging, you know, God is at work in this. There's more happening. Just take a breath. Chill out for a minute. It's going to change. See what happens. Just trust that this isn't the end of it. It's going to get better. So the story's not over. There's more to it than that. And so that's something that I, you know, as an adult, as I went back and, and read uh, the New Testament, which I had never cared to do, what do I care about the Bible? That's how I felt for most of my life. Uh, but when I did finally read it, that was a takeaway I had. Now, had they, I don't remember them teaching that in church when I was a kid. You know, I remember hearing all kinds of other things that I don't particularly value or find important. Man, but when I see a message running through something that, that's that profound to me, then it really hooks me. I'm like, man, there's something going on here that's important to me that I can pay attention to. And it has nothing, it seems like it has nothing to do with what all those other people have been saying about this, the whole, and they make me mad. I'm not going to go down that road, but anyway, <laughs> Bible nerd confessing, Bible nerd right here, confessing that I'm, I'm a, especially a gospel nerd. But you know, you said some very important words to me. You said they were ideas you value and that you find important. 
and that they were profound to you. And those are the things that I look for in alignment. That tells me that those are spiritual principles that line up for me, you know, with, with my core, the core of my being, of what I believe. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't line up for me. A lot of things like you just mentioned that just don't, I don't value. There's, they're great ideas for somebody else, but they're not the ones that I want to live by, you know. And so for me, identifying what are those critical ideas that I value and find important, what are those? And then how do I apply those to my life? You know, and, and one of those um, had to do for me was, um, well, I, there's a lot of phrases in the, in the literature we talk about, it was principles before personalities. That's one I have to apply. That's one I've had to, to practice. What does that mean? Well, that means I treat people kindly. It means that I treat everybody in a similar fashion, that I don't play favorites. You know, those are things I value from other people. And so I try to emulate that myself. Um, you know, and there's a lot of little catchphrases like that, that that are helpful to me. But that one has been particularly important to me. Uh, and me as well. And in fact, you have a what I found a particularly helpful way of um, sort of describing what does that mean, uh, principles before personalities. To paraphrase uh, the way I heard it from you, and I've shared this many times since, you know, would, would I do this if it was my Aunt Tilly? Would I do it if it was a stranger that I don't know anything about? Would I do it if this is my best friend? Would I do this if it was my worst enemy? And if what I would do change changing, then that's circumstance and that's not principle. But if what I would do remains the same, no matter who is involved, that's a great litmus test for you know, is this principle or what does it mean to live by principle? Um, another way that living by spiritual principles has helped me live the life I really want to is that I, I have gained a feeling of ease, of peace, if you will, from knowing that I don't need to know everything. Now, that's quite a revelation for me. The way that my mind is wired, uh, I do need to know everything because that's the only way I can be okay in the world is if I understand what's going on. And if I don't know what's going on, if I don't understand this, if I don't really get what's happening, then I'm not safe and it's not okay. Uh, I'm not okay in the world. So I have found through living from spiritual principle, and this is related to what I was sharing before, uh, a feeling of peace and ease from knowing that, you know what, it's okay not to know everything. At least I know that, right? It's like, it's like my, mind, my, my mind is a puppy and I need to give it something to chew on so it'll be happy. Here, know this. It's okay not to know everything. Oh, I can know that. <laughs> At least I can know something and wait a second, it means that I don't know thing? No, never mind. I don't need to know everything, and that now brings uh, a great feeling of of peace to me, and I'm grateful for it. So that's a way that, you know, it's sort of the let go part of let go and let God, right? Uh, it took me a long time to figure out not, not only what that actually means, but how to do it. Um, and if I can let go and say, you know what, it's all right, let's just see what happens. You know, another tool that was helpful to me in learning to live this life that I want to and to align with spiritual principles and values that were important to me is courage. And, you know, I've heard courage defined a number of different ways. The way that I like to, to understand it is action in spite of fear, because it doesn't deny that I have fear. But the way that I use this principle is, first of all, I have to notice that I am in fear. 
And for me, what does fear mean? Fear means I'm projecting. I'm telling myself stories about this, how it's going to turn out, what's going on, who's doing this, who's doing that. And, and that feeds the fear. And when I can do that, I have the opportunity to interrupt it. And I, and I interrupt that thought process, that pattern, by getting in the here and now. Or as I say in the program, it was taught to me, get my head where my feet are. You know, and we have a number of different tools for that, program tools in terms of making a phone call, say a prayer, reach out to somebody, go to a meeting, read some literature, pick up the Bible. You know, there. I mean, there's just a ton of different things you can do to interrupt that process. It takes courage to do that because um, for me, I, I have to take an action. That's what interrupts this process. Um, and instead of just going with the fear. And then at that point, that's where that pause comes in that I was talking about earlier. When I've made this interruption in this obsessive thinking pattern, then I have the opportunity to pause and ask for inspiration, to ask for guidance, to seek another way, to make a different choice, a conscious and intentional choice. And so just thinking about when I'm scared, what do I have to do to be courageous? That's kind of the process I have to follow. You know, you you mentioned keeping our head where our feet are. I love that phrase because it, it, it's a, I can hold that image in my mind and, and it just, it, it communicates the truth of that principle so clearly that it has stuck with me. It's, it's a way of saying, you know, how can I be focused on the here and now, which is, you know, where, where I really want to be most of the time, not all the time, because, you know, as I say, if I, if I want to eat next week, if I might want to, you know, figure out which day I'm going to go to the grocery store. So in that way, I'm I'm putting my mind in the future. Uh, but as long as I decide and then stop, everything's fine. If I live in that future, that's where it becomes a problem for me. So I want to live in in the here and now. And one way that uh, spiritual principles have helped me uh, live the life that I want to live is it taught me a way to have trust in what I'll call the unseen right? Spiritual principle is an abstract thing. The, you know, the divine, the spirit, we talk about the presence of the God within. So that's not a substance, you know, like, like, uh, you know, pebbles or toothpaste or whatever. It's not like a physical thing. It, it is an unseen thing. It's a principle. It's an idea. It's a power and a presence perhaps. But I've learned um, to trust in the unseen so that I can do exactly what you were just saying, keep my head where my feet are. Because when I can manage to keep my head where my feet are, pretty much, you know, things are okay. And and I have a, a sponsor that would often ask if I was wigging out, do you have everything you need right now in this moment? And that would, you know, give me pause and think, well, actually, yes, I do have everything I need right now here in this moment. That's almost always true. Maybe not 100% always, always, but just about. I mean, that's that, that's a reliable thing. That's my life experience is not one of never having what I need in this moment. It's more like, yeah, I kind of do have what I need in this moment. I'm grateful um, for that. And it helps me keep my head where my feet are, whatever this, you know, this spirit, this unseen thing, trusting in that helps me stay focused on the here and now. You know, many of us have this journey to faith. That's what step two is about, you know, is this came to believe, didn't say we all of a sudden woke up and believed. And, and for me, that was a journey as well. And, and to get there, 
the principle, I'll call it a principle, that I had to practice was maybe, you know, maybe there's a different way. Maybe they're right. Maybe this is important. Maybe this will work. And which, which leaves this little tiny opening, the pause for yet a new idea, divine idea to come in, for yet a new um, inspiration or guidance or um, uh, activity or action, you know, and it's closely related to what if, you know, I can use those kind of interchangeably. Well, what if, what if they're right? And, and then for me, my, my faith was one that was built over, uh, over time. And after I look back, similar, similar to you in that, do I have what I need right this minute? Have I always had what I needed? Well, 99.9% of the time I can say that is true. So after I have all these experiences, I, I have some little modicum of faith that, oh, well, it was okay from before, so it'll be okay now. And then, then somebody paraphrased it for me one time and they said, um, in the end, it's all going to be okay. If it's not okay, it's not the end. And that was related to your idea earlier about, oh, there's more, you yes. know, there's always more. And that was helpful. You know, you, you asked a question there rhetorically. What if they're right? You know, pointing at this idea of what I was hearing you say is possibility. What if there are possibilities beyond those of which I happen to be aware of right now? You know, which ties back to uh, what if I it's okay not to know everything. Well, if it's okay not to know everything, then I might be able to acknowledge that I don't know everything, which means there are possibilities I'm not aware of. Well, hey, what if? Power of maybe. I'm telling you, we should write a book called The Power of Maybe. That, that title is attention-getting because it sounds so wishy-washy. But man, when you look at it like the power of infinite possibility— Okay, so that's that's more of a uh, you know spiritually politically correct way of saying it. The power of infinite possibility. Anything can happen. And when you said that example, what if they're right? That reminded me about uh, that living by spiritual principle showed me the power of community. Because who's the they that might be right? Like where am I hearing different ways of being or seeing that I can you know become aware of and and then maybe sit with for a while and just kind of encounter them and even if they sound strange at first like what i don't even know what that means and then the third time i hear it i'm like wait a second may maybe there's something there for me you know it's a community is among other things a source of new ideas and inspiration you know what if there is something to what they're saying that i've always sort of turned my nose up at. And that's part of the power of the community. So, you know, being willing for me, being willing to live by spiritual principles, which has led me to the life I really want to be living, a big part of that is um, the part done in community. And, and it has showed me the value of a community. And that's, you know, what, what you had said is just one of the many things. We could make a list of the value of community in spiritual growth. And, and that would certainly be on it because I've said before, and I'm sure I'll say again, I know that nobody can do my inner work for me, but I also know I can't do it alone. I need community. You know, one of the things about community is that we get the message through a variety of messengers, you know, and I was talking earlier about principles and personalities, you know, some personalities, I cannot hear the message. I have a really challenge uh, in hearing the message, but 
at some point that changed for me. And I can listen for the message and ignore the messenger. And, and I don't mean as in pretend they're not there. I mean, hear differently the words that they're saying in a way that then now makes sense to me. You know, and my sponsor would say things like, you know, you can't hear it till you can hear it. And that's one of the things that happened with the community. Absolutely. So let us now move into action. Unity's fifth principle states, it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something you can do to move from unmanageability to living the life you really want to live using spiritual principle. Think of a way that your life feels overwhelming and unmanageable today. Do you generally feel overtaxed and overstressed at work? Or does your home life feel like a battlefield sometimes? Or maybe the world is just moving too fast for you and it's wearing you down. What's important is to pick one thing, something simple to focus on for this exercise right here and now. Because you can take what we do here into your life this week and return to it anytime you choose in order to find a moment of peace. So let's use that example of the world moving too fast. We use a statement of power, what we refer to in unity as a denial, to deny any power to feeling overwhelmed by the world. You could say something like, worldly clamors have no power over me. They do not reflect my true nature. Repeat that a few times in your head or say it aloud, but say it with conviction. Worldly clamors have no power over me. They do not reflect my true nature. And follow that up immediately with a bold and positive affirmation of a new experience. And you could say, for example, I turn to the presence of the spirit within to find an oasis of peace and solace, and I am grateful. And then take a few quiet moments to relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. Just give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. Once again, worldly clamors have no power over me. They do not reflect my true nature. I turn to the presence of the spirit within to find an oasis of peace and solace, and I am grateful. So we've come to the end of our time together here today, and we hope you found something that can help you on your recovery path. Thank you, Reverend Dan Beckett, for the discussion, and thank you to all who are listening. And this podcast is available via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. And listeners, if you would like, you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, to give us your thoughts and feedback. And we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. Until then, have a wonder-filled week. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. 
part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.